Hello, everyone. This is April Jasper, Chief Optometric Editor of Optometric Management Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Today, we're pleased to have with us Dr. Melissa Barnett, the Principal Optometrist with the University of California Davis Eye Center. And, you know, Melissa, I'm so excited to have you with us because you're as busy as I am doing so many things and involved in so many areas of optometry. And I just love that we get to get your thoughts on this topic. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, April, and always a pleasure to see you in person too. Absolutely. So Melissa, I know that I told everybody a little bit about you, but that's not even the beginning. Could you tell our listeners a little more about yourself and uh, where you're practicing and some of the things you're doing these days. Sure, so I practice at UC Davis in Sacramento and Davis, and I kind of have a unique situation where I'm in three different locations. So one is where I do a lot of specialty contact lens and dry eye, do research on scleral lenses and specifically Sjogren's syndrome. Another practice is a general ophthalmology practice that we purchased in September, 2019. I'm seeing a lot of new patients there and tons and tons of patients with presbyopia. And then the third practice is on campus at UC Davis, where I see students and do a lot of normal cornea contact lens. So it's a really wide mix in my day to day. And then for fun, I love to write and lecture and travel just like you do. I have a podcast called Globalize, which is a lot of fun working on ICSC, the scleral lens meeting in July, and just loving our profession. We're so blessed to be in this profession and do all the different things that we can do. We absolutely are. I, I totally agree. And that's one of the reasons I love talking to you so much because we're both doing so much and yet we always bring it back to how can we make it better for our patients and for our colleagues. So Melissa, just to give you some, some background, we've talked in previous episodes about what presbyopia is we talked about how to raise awareness of presbyopia with our patients and the community. And then we also have talked about how it might be different in presentation between women and men when they come into the practice. And so what we wanna talk about today with you is how you think about presbyopia as far as uh, categorizing it or classifying it with your patients, whether it's on paper or just kind of how we do it in our head and then how that influences what then your treatment decision is for your patients. You talked a lot already about the different types of practices you're in, which is perfect for this conversation. And so just to kind of set the stage for our listeners, that's kind of where we wanna to focus today. So let's start right out with how do you categorize presbyopia? Well, that's a, a great question, and presbyopia is really top of mind now. I've been doing a lot of multifocal contact lens work for many, many years, but I've been thinking a lot about how to classify presbyopia. Since there's really not any widely accepted formal guideline or consensus statement at this time, but there are some classification guidelines that I like to use, and that is a mild, moderate, or advanced severity. Now, I don't think a lot of practitioners in their head are thinking, oh, you know, this patient is severe, this is 
um, an absolute presbyope, there's nothing else to be done. We're always thinking about the individual patient and how we can meet their needs specifically. But having some sort of reference point is really helpful because there's so many presbyopes and I see so many presbyopes all the time. Now, one thing that I do that might be a little bit different from others since I'm at the student location seeing college age students is I actually talk to them about presbyopia as well. And you might say, why in the world do you do that? And that's because their parents are becoming presbyopic. Uh, for the first time. So I like to inform these 20-year-olds that presbyopia is just a natural process, so they're not absolutely shocked. I especially like to tell those who are in their 30s, especially those who are approaching presbyopia, that this is coming. But having the different categories, mild, moderate, or advanced, are just helpful guidelines in order to prescribe different management options. When you think about that, I love that you do that. And I think, like you said, even though there may not be a uh, consensus statement or a standard of care, I think all of us tend to have those categorizations in our mind. And when you think about it, is it, would you say, Melissa, that it's based on age? Is it based on their ability to focus close up? Is it something where you just kind of automatically say they're under 50, so they're going to be in this category? How do you think through that or work through that? Right. So in school, you know, I think that's really what we were taught many years ago, that it was all based on age. And we have those age norms for different levels of presbyopia. But really, the studies show that presbyopia, you could have an 85-year-old who's mild. And I'm sure that we've all seen this in our practice, too, where you think, how in the world do they not have reading glasses? They're just functioning just fine. You could right. have a 42-year-old who's really advanced and severe and then you think the same thing how in the world are they are they doing this so uh, my goal is really to identify the severity of presbyopia based on the individual patient not necessarily on the age so it's pretty different than what we learned in school all those years ago I love that you're teaching that as well, because it is interesting how you learn it one way and maybe somebody told me different like you said and then I just got out of school, took boards, figured it's gonna be this way every time, not, not realizing that patients are patients and they can definitely not follow a specific process. So right. we, we think of, you know, the, the female maybe who has really short arms and, and, and the tasks that we're doing these days, we're all right. on digital devices, right? We're all on computers. Us too, we're using electronic medical records all day long. We're, we have so many visual needs and especially during this pandemic. So those who are even not quite 40 might be presbyopic where in school we thought, oh, it's you know definitely 40 plus, but those who are in their late 30s can have early presbyopia. I know I was actually one of them. I was under 40 and I, I knew, I knew it was there. I knew what it was. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna just wait a few months and I'll address it when I'm 40. So I did. Right, and you know, <laughs> you're exactly right. Then you have those patients like I was, I went to optometry school, didn't even know I was a hyperope, never wore glasses before in my life. And then lo and behold, it turns out I'm a five doctor hyperope. And wow. so I know, what a story, huh? So then when you realize 
that you've got people like me that are out there hanging around that are uncorrected. It's unlikely there are going to be five doctor hyperopes like me, but still there's going to be those uncorrected hyperopes that to us look like just early presbyopes. So it does get convoluted a little bit. And it's so important, like you said, to look at each patient as an individual patient. And so why though? So that's what I want to get to next. I love how we've kind of had that conversation and why it's so important it kind of moves us into the next topic, which is how do you then use that process of categorizing or classifying presbyopia to determine treatment? Sure. And let's just start with hyperopes because I love hyperopes. Uh, so I use the different categories. So using the mild, moderate, and advanced severity. But the reason why I love hyperopes is because they're so successful with multifocal contact lenses. I think it's just yeah. great. So we have to think of every patient, of course, as an individual. And I like to do a comprehensive eye examination and get a really thorough history of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we have presbyopes who all they do is just drive mostly. And I know we just talked about all the computer work we're doing, but they're just, they're not really doing much computer work or reading. I have patients like that. And then right. I have the complete opposite too, where they're just in that mid range and up close all day long and drive just occasionally. So I like to use the different categories and really individualize the management options and really customize them for the individual patient. So I do think that all of our patients need vision, good vision for distance, for mid-range, and for up-close. And so that's why I love multifocal contact lenses. I love scleral multifocals. I think they're super fun. But we have great options in soft lenses, soft toric multifocals now. We have hybrid. We have corneal gas permeable multifocals. We have all sorts of options. And the studies really show that multifocals outperform monovision. Of course, I prescribe glasses because every contact lens wearer needs glasses as well. And if a patient's interested in surgery, I talk about different surgical options. A lot depends on if they have cataracts and the severity of the cataracts. So whether it's a corneal surgery or refractive cataract surgery, we have great surgeons who are doing all sorts of wonderful procedures. But I do tell my patients about future options that are coming for presbyopia, and I've started talking to them probably for a year now and documenting that, that there are some options coming in the future and to see if they're interested. And my patients are very, very interested and really excited that there are different options for presbyopia. Now, I think that these future options are going to help me with the multifocal contact lenses. It's going to help with glasses. And sometimes I give patients different management options, a few different things for the same patient. That's really common. So I think everyone who wears contact lenses needs glasses, but now we're going to have drops so we can combine to really enhance the vision and comfort for our patients. So Melissa, when you talk through all of those options, and that's phenomenal to be able to have the ability to work with patients in whichever way is best for them, is there are there any tips that you can share with doctors out there that help you to get through those options quickly in your mind or even verbally? How do you do that with your patients? And then how do you narrow it down to where you're going to be with this specific patient? 
So I think a really good starting point is very important. So a new refraction, checking dominant eye, getting corneal curvature or corneal mapping, and evaluating the ocular surface. It's so important to evaluate the eyelids and lashes, the cornea, the conjunctiva. I wanna see where the starting point is to determine all the different options. And so when I have all of the information together and I've already had the case history, we've talked about what the patient is interested in doing, then I find in my head, I think, well, this is definitely the option that I am thinking is best for them. And I'll just say, you know, this is what I recommend. And say it's a soft multifocal contact lens. I talk about how it's the cleanest, healthiest option. They can replace it every single day. It gives them most of the vision, most of the time. But I, I always go back to the ocular surface because if we don't have a pristine tear film, it's going to affect every option. And so when I talk to patients, I like to understand what their needs are, how I can help improve their quality of life, and then give them specific options. And also, I like to have a starting point, and it's a discussion, right? Say right. a patient says, no, I don't wanna do that, that soft multifocal daily replacement is, okay, well, great, there, there, here are some other options. There's a two week, there's a one month, we could do a hybrid lens, we could do a scleral lens, we could not do contact lenses at all, we can do glasses. <laughs> you know, We have all sorts of wonderful options. So I, I like to customize them for each individual patient. Right. I think what's really cool too about contact lens options is that there are many of them that we can let them experience right away and get an idea of where they're going to be. Do you, do you find that to be? Oh, definitely. Special? Definitely. And we have great technology. I mean, it's so exciting. I, I think contact lens technology and we keep getting new technologies but the really fun part about all this is that we have the opportunity to be creative, to better the lives of our patients. So we can give them all these options. They can try them out. If one doesn't work, we can do another one and we can really help improve their lives. And use them as a combination, just like you said, which I think too, many times we forget that it doesn't have to be just one or the other. It's There are many options for a patient or at least a couple. They definitely. Well, this has been fabulous, Melissa. I appreciate you sharing and uh, kind of helping us with your technique and how you have those conversations with patients. Is there anything you'd love to add about this topic of classifying or categorizing presbyopia to help us to determine what treatments we want to use for our patients? I think just a few take home points is that the classification is not necessarily based on age. It, each patient is individual and can have a different classification based on their needs, based on their vision, based on their refractive error. And so this is really an exciting time for presbyopia. And I would encourage you to start talking to your patients about future options. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being here to share your ideas and thoughts. And thank you to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We sure hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Thank you so much.